Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. This week, we are reading, we did read, we are having read Elantris chapters 49 through 53, wherein Rowden fixes the magic, kind of, sort of, almost, uh, and then turns himself into a, a, a doula, a wacky, wacky doula who fights with Serene with some swords and then he reveals himself when some very very bad stuff goes down so i am data and with me is <laughs> this <laughs> with us is the baby um, that was perfect with us is the child <laughs> yep sorry about that everyone it's jamie <laughs> and baby jack how do i follow that and joe yeah, and right. Joe, I'm here. There's no following that. Sorry, guys. No. <laughs> Hang on to something, everyone. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Feed the fire, set me free in this city of dreams. Push my mind into overload. Hack the wire, smash the team in this Yeah, it's been a couple weeks, guys. Good to be back. Everyone's excited to get into the book again, I hope. Joe was pointing out in the break that uh, in Serene's chapter in 53, Brandon just has to throw in a Rayodin perspective, which we have seen at least once or twice before. But what you guys are going to notice as we get into part three is the perspective system as stuff gets popping, uh, starts to break down a little bit. And there may even be some perspectives from characters who are not our three perspective characters. Oh my God. Bum, bum, bum. Why are we doing that so close to the end? It's such a nice, predictable formula. <laughs> you know what I'm in for. Oh man. Yeah. It's supposed but to throw you. Cool. You're like, you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, this is not what I, what I'm used to. Oh my God. Bear is driving. How can that be? <laughs> so what did you guys think of these one, two, three, four, five chapters that we read this week? I'm so glad you said five, because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's five, five chapters. I read five chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, really liked it again. I'm glad we've got some things coming together. Joe's prediction uh, previously about the earthquake panned out, well done, Joe, to fix the Aeon door. So that was really cool to see that. See, I guess to see is actually able to finally use some of the magic as well. I feel like I've got a bit of a better idea now of what they were trying to do, having seen some of it work. I really liked that. I am so glad that finally, page 492, they realize that they've met each other. Well, Serene realizes that she's met her <laughs> husband. That made me pretty happy. It took a very long time, but finally, it's out there. <laughs> yeah, some stuff went down. I remember I was, I was thinking, you know, when Ahan left the uh, the group meeting at the end, I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be trouble. And then, like, the next page, it was like, wow, yep, there you go, he's trouble. <laughs> Damn, I was hoping that was going to be a longer-term longer, longer term thing. But, no, it was it was really good. I've kind of forgotten about Hraven and his stuff going on. I feel like we don't really need his story at the moment. It's just kind of there. He started out so strong, but now it's just kind of dwindling for me. I'm far more invested in what's going on with Raiden and Serene, but I guess that's where all the interesting stuff is at the moment. They'll resolve that and maybe tie Craven and, and now Dilaf back in and Wern just doesn't seem to care <laughs> about Delry. 
Like, yep, not making that guy a yawn, whatever. But, yeah, really, really happy to see things starting to pick up the pace a little bit and keep going and we're, we're coming out of Elantris for Raiden, which is really cool. I think it's clever the way that they've been able to get him back out. Yeah, looking forward to digging back into these chapters probably later today. Yeah, that Hraithan chapter is really, like, a bit odd and even even maybe surreal, right? It's kind of like, okay, what's happening here? Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He sent Dilaf away, and now Dilaf is like, my plan is all coming together. Mwahaha. Okay. <laughs> What's going on with you? So, I mean, obviously something's about to happen. I think we'll pick it up with a Horizon chapter anyway. But, yeah, this is just kind of hanging around there. I don't really know what's what's waiting for us there. But we don't have much book left, and apparently there's a month till the deadline. So we'll see how we go. Uh, yeah, like – a lot going on here. I'm going to come straight out in a minute. I, I It took me longer to work out who Kalu was than I'm really proud of. I figured it out by the end of the chapter, so I think that's the, that's, that's the crucial thing, like his introductory chapter. But like my reaction when he showed up was effectively Jay at the end of Dogma. He's like, gets up, sees Alanis Morissette, and it's like, who the fuck are you, lady? Like, really angry. Just like, come on, are we just introducing new people now? But, yeah, no, once, once I got over that, that was pretty good. Yeah... Uh, looking at looking at Hraithan's chapter, like this is sort of strengthening my suspicion that, like I think I threw out as a joke a while ago that Dilaf could be the um, something from Dark Ore. Maybe like that's where this is leading. Just like his little, like sort of Mark Ruffalo at the end of Now You See Me act. Like spoilers for that movie, but you know where Morgan Freeman's in the cell and he's explaining it. Then all of a sudden he realizes, turns around, Mark Ruffalo has vanished. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I yeah. I don't know, the pace of this book is, like, throwing me a bit. I'm just like, we're still having meetings and talking about getting shit done this late in the game. It's, yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, it's good. There's, like, there's a lot happening. Like, that ending of uh, this section that we did this week was, Jesus Christ, okay, now we're really getting, like, but I feel like we've been saying for a while now, we're getting into the meat of things, but then things just sort of flick back to the status quo a bit, so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different sort of, we got used to it from Mistborn, like, the action really hits and when things kind of happen and this one is very much more of a, I don't, I don't even know how, what to, what to call it really. I mean, it, it's kind of political, but it's not political. Like well of Ascension was political. It's a different sort of political from that, but it's, it's just a very different yeah. sort of story. And so we're like, okay, well, when's stuff going to happen? Stuff happens. This, yeah. In here. <laughs> you can say that for sure. Oh yeah. But it's like, uh, every every time I feel like, oh, shit, this just happens, shit's about to get real, then it sort of just backflips and things go back to not quite how they were before, but almost, you know, like, Hraithan gets thrown into Elantris. Oh, shit, where's this going to go? And he's out again. And, you know, people's like, oh, okay, hi. Uh, then Serene gets thrown into Elantris, and he's like, oh, shit, where's this going? And she's out again, and they're still having meetings. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And, yeah, it's just like, there have been a few times in the book where I've just gone, I thought we were going to get a much more like explosive payoff than we actually did to this little plot thread. Like, again, not that this is a bad thing, but it's just, it's caught me off guard a bit. I am sort of hoping what we, we end up with is what we had kind of at the end of the Mistborn trilogy, that we had so many little bits and pieces peppered throughout the trilogy that just came together really nicely in the end. So that there's still all these little things that seemed insignificant at the time that by the time we get to the end, it's going to be like, oh, wow, that was really clever. So while I sort of agree with you, it's like, oh, we're in, we're out, we're in, we're out. That was still pretty important, I guess, to the story 
that those things happened, but oh, there's yeah, going to be sure. little bits and pieces in I'm there sure that is. I think are going to really come together and give us a bit of a wow factor. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah. with both of you. I think that that hopefully that's what we'll see at the end is like just kind of a real because I think we're used to now the style of his kind of abrupt culmination sometimes. So um, I'm hoping it's kind of woven up really tightly at the end, especially since this is more of a standalone story. It would it would be really nice just to see it completely woven up at the end. But as for the chapters, I, I think these were my favorite chapters of this book that we've read so far, honestly. Um, the Hraithen one was a little weak, but I think that's just because there wasn't much to it. There wasn't a whole lot of information that was actually distributed. It was kind of more vague. Obviously, Diloph is got something going on. I kind of agree with Dak that maybe he's he's from one of the monasteries or something, and maybe maybe the assassins royal called have something to do with with uh, Diloph's new plan. Because if all these feudal assassins are now hanging around in the city, and uh, Diloph is like from the same cut from the same ilk or cloth, if you will. Maybe he's uh, kind of maybe putting his himself in control of those guys that are now in the city if he got word that they're there somehow. And maybe Royal was mis- mistaken about where their loyalties actually actually belong, and that gave them an excuse to be in the city because Royal paid them to come. Uh, so that, yeah, that could be potentially interesting. But yeah, I, re- I really like these chapters. I like that the magic's finally working, if not all the way. You know, something that I quickly put together in my head was to make a more powerful Aeon, uh, it seems like if he did it wrong a bunch, built up some door inside him, and then released it. But maybe it's not maybe it's not making the Aeon incorrectly that builds it up. Maybe it's just over time it building up. But I feel like that but what I'm saying should be true because he is more affected by the the kind of swelling of the door because I think he'd been practice, practicing it more than everybody else. So if in some way doing it wrong a bunch could then build up a powerful swell and then he could create an Aeon, I feel like maybe that would maybe accomplish what he's looking for there. So that would be interesting to see if that were true. But yeah, the him the, the that chapter was really awesome where he figures out the magic to an extent. He creates the illusion. They they leave the whole three and like this this time with him meeting up with her i felt like it was a little more relieving because time passes a little more quickly in these chapters than it has in the past chapters so we've you know that's actually it's she figures out pretty quickly at least from our perspective that he's spirit and then he ends up having to to basically say that he's raiden because telry's making his move so yeah I, i really enjoyed pretty much everything we read i'm excited to to get finished with the book which i know we're getting somewhat close to but yeah yeah, we're getting pretty close. We got two episodes after this one, and that's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten chapters in the epilogues. So yeah, we're getting very close to the end here. Yeah, but yeah, we're I've, you've, you've been waiting the whole book. You're like, the magic's got to work at some point. We're not gonna have a book without magic in it, and so we finally got. Yeah, it. I mean, come on. Yeah, like, I feel like if he'd ended his first ever published book, like he's got a magic system and he doesn't actually reveal how it works, he probably wouldn't have gotten an, like another deal for more books. <laughs> right. But yeah, I kind of like the like Dak had a theory a while back that it was like like maybe the door was leaking out through a door that was open somewhere and they need to build up some some door to get it to work right. And we find out that it was actually kind of the opposite because it was built up and then all of a sudden it popped out and it was kind of extreme. I'm drawing it back to secret history 
assuming these these the people we saw in those were Lantrians, maybe like he never gets to work completely right, like the like with the first drawings. Because I think I remember in Secret History them mentioning it's going to take some time to do X, Y, Z. So maybe they meant like it's going to take some time to build up door to like get this thing to work. So I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but I feel like they said it's going to take some time to we need more time or something like that. So maybe maybe my thinking is right on that. Like it's going to they have to build up door to get their magic to work. Hmm. Could be. Yeah, we still don't know if they can even use magic in their whatever realm, because we know that Kelsier couldn't use the mind realm, even when he swallowed some metal. But he was also dead. And we don't know if they're dead. Yeah, I don't know that they're dead. They may just be traveling between the realms. Subspace highway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because we know like people did that, especially in Skadrial, because that was like a thing they said several times like oh yeah we this is like you you disrupted an entire like merchant system yep like intergalactic merchant system so obviously people that are alive uh because the because sexy drifter is obviously alive uh and we met chris and um and uh what's his name was yeah yeah map guy yeah and it's like uh you shouldn't be here you dead Mm, he's like ah (laughs) but you didn't know i'm awesome it's like, I'm not good at doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. Nah, that ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess let's get into these chapters. And for some reason, I almost started on chapter 53. That's not what we're um, <laughs> supposed to be doing. <laughs> start episode, at the beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> so we start out with Rowden. And uh, he's got the, the sweet thing where he's like, he stayed away from the library at first because it reminded him of her, and then he went back because it reminded him of her. Ugh. <laughs> that, that, that particular line of, uh, of prose, I was just like, okay, guy, we get it. <laughs> but he goes off on a bunch of aeons and how he's starting to realize they really are connected to the land. Like, they have all, like, the, the one for water has a wiggly line that matches the river, and just other ones all... Some of them make sense, like that one, that water has a river line. But then there's some that is like, I don't know why there's like a bunch of random dots on this one. But I guess maybe it has some significance to the land. Um, but Serene was right. It looks like the land is integral to the form of the Aeons. And for five days after she leaves, he's just like trying to figure this out. And I don't know if we should feel bad uh, that... Uh, we kind of got a hold of it pretty quickly, and he's he's taken five days to be like, what is the, what is what's wrong? Of course, he's got a map that probably does not include that on it, since I doubt they have new maps in Elantris since the yeah the thing happened. Yeah. Also, that's what I was thinking about on a hunch. Say yeah, again? he said, didn't we think about it on a hunch? And also, we have like the perspective of reading more about what's going on than he does his perspective is very like i'm in the middle of all this right there's some interesting notes about how like if you change the line width it can make the aeon stronger or give you more control over the strength basically and so he's practicing with that like drawing some really thick and some super thin and brandon says in his annotations that he he's like i'm not really a math guy but i'm trying to give aeon door this mathematical feel and I don't, I don't know how well that comes across in my mind, but maybe it feels that way to you guys. 
I mean, to me, it just feels maybe like geometric and like in the sense that you're trying to make shapes match up with something that's inherently exists, I guess. So, I mean, if he's talking about mathematically as far as proportions, like that does make sense, you know, if, if it's if proportionally, um, if if like the aeon is supposed to symbolize a landscape then you would want to get the proportions correct based on the rest of the shape you're drawing. So something might need to look wider or thinner based on the proportions that you're trying to adjust for. Could also be how just how precise it is. Like maths, it's very black and white. Mm. Maybe it's about how, like, it has to be so precise and accurate. Right, because in Andor it works or it doesn't work. And in math, it's like 2 plus 2 is 4 or it's not 4. So... And I just like he's getting better and better constantly with the aeons, but they don't work. He's like, why am I spending all this time learning all the intricacies of this magic when it doesn't work? And then uh, also we found out that Marishi has invented shoes with thick leather soles so that you can walk better or not get injured as much or I don't know. Was there something in the soles? It says they're studded with nails. So he's invented tap shoes. Yeah, right. It kind of sounds that way. (laughs) I mean, it's not quite a trebuchet, but, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, you can also dance with these shoes. They're great. Wait, what? <laughs> That's how Marishi started a I chorus just, line. Of, a chorus line. I just, I just want Galadon to just break out in song now. Because <laughs> Aunt Dula's famous for that, probably. Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dula's are famous for Broadway. <laughs> I can see it. They're very colorful with their clothing and such. And personalities, yeah. apparently. <laughs> I just see him breaking out now in a, you know, Raiden's having a, a bad time and he's just come out with a, make him laugh, make him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> just brings me so much joy. It's like, my father wait, said, wait. be an Elantrian, my son. It's like, where did you oh, get I, that? Love it. I love where it. Where did you get that cane? <laughs> <laughs> Marishi made it. He's good at that. Yeah. <laughs> My father said, be an Elantrian, my son, but be a sad one. He's in charge of, uh, Marishi's in charge of props for their production. And uh, sure. it's like, uh, I thought you guys hated each other. Well, we did. We found out a, lo- a shared love of show tunes. Yeah. <laughs> we find out that Serene has been having Aish come and keep them apprised of the goings on back in the city. And she's arranging for supply drops. Although there's some weird mysteriousness with whoever is delivering the drops because Redden is not allowed to see who it is, apparently. Hmm. So they have a talk where he's like, I can't figure out what has changed about the land to make Aeondor different. Uh, like, the mountains are still there. The lake's still there. I don't know. And he's like, well, maybe something needs to be added. He's like, well, yeah, I thought about that, but we don't have any new rivers or new lakes or mountains or. Oh, my gosh, the chasm. Oh, like, 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 that, that tweak to us last week. Like again, like it was. I think it was just Jane was explaining something, and and Joe just went, "Oh yeah, what about this thing?" And we just gone, "Oh my god, yeah!" And then like next week, oh okay, there it is. Yep, it did that. That one didn't sit long, but I think, <laughs> I think part of it is that after they figured out the connection to the land, it's not super believable that Rowden would go too long without figuring like that part of it out. Yeah. So sure. you can't hold it too much and make Rowden seem smart. But Galadon's like. But no, the, the chasm was caused by the Riyadh. And Ron's like, but what if it wasn't, though? What if it's the other way around and we just thought that? 
And so he tries to add a line where the, about where the chasm would be. He's not, I mean, he's like, maybe right about here. And it doesn't work. And Gallum's like, yeah, I guess that's it. And then Rod's like, no, no, hold on. And he like draws this super complex Aeon again. And then he has to kind of feel for the right spot. And he does it, adds this one line. And the door kind of explodes through him, bursting free instead of attacking him this time. And after yeah, it's over, he, he had to use flame for some <laughs> reason. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like your classic uh, wizard in any D&D campaign. He's like, I cast fireball. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the situation is. You're like, is. wait, fireball. your friends are in the vicinity. Fireball. <laughs> I don't care. You just lit everybody, all of your friends and yourself on fire. Why didn't you Worth. tell me that's what it was going to do? I did! Worth it. <laughs> we were in the tavern. We were just trying to order drinks, and I was trying to get the bartender's attention. <laughs> that reminds me of one time when my friend Data threw, tried to throw acid in some lady's face, but then totally whiffed. Oh my gosh, that was a, that was a bad moment. Yeah, my character's so mad, and we're in the middle of this conversation, and he's just like, okay, if, I'm, if, if we're going to start something, I want to surprise them. And he just reached out, and he goes like, Acid spray! <laughs> and then I had to make an attack roll, and I rolled the one. And he's just like, yep, nothing happens. And the lady's like, did you just point at me and yell acid spray? Like, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh. Man, you rolled a natural one, and that's the worst that happened to you? You're light. Well, you know, I, th- I thought the embarrassment was punishment enough, Dak. <laughs> Fair enough. No, he really just didn't want that fight to start. <laughs> Because nobody wanted that fight to start but me. We would have had to take on the whole town at that point. Anyway, but yes, I like it. Like he suddenly realizes after he feels the door go through him, he's like, "That's I just fixed something that I can I can just tell the door is not going to attack me again like it has been." And it takes him a moment for he hears a sound like a fire, and he realizes that the aeon has started glowing. And what aeon he, that was? And he's like, "Galadon, get down!" And a, a, the Aeon becomes a twisting vortex of fire passing just above Galadon's head and immolating a, an entire bookshelf. Not the thick books. <laughs> and, uh, just the biology like, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who needs those? Well, he might have if he'd, if he'd had those biology books. Maybe he could have figured out a good healing Aeon. Mm, yeah. That's true. Calvin says, what was that? And Rodden says, I think I just destroyed the biology section. Uh, next time, how about you don't use Aeon E-Hey-E to test your theories? Colo? Yeah. Like, Could you fucking not? <laughs> it just happened to be the one he was practicing. And also, it was super dramatic because I added a bunch of modifiers to it. So they had to clean up and make sure the fire was out so it doesn't spread to the other books. But just like this one case is just a pile of coal char charcoal or whatever and little bits of book so instead he tries aeon h which we established earlier that's like what was on like sheets of metal in people's houses and just like created light it was like having a lamp over there so he puts it up and it totally works it makes light it just hangs there in the air making light no heat no anything just uh, a light source he's like just like, this just makes me think, like, okay, so Serene's Aeon is Aish. We know that. It's like, so his name is just Lamp. I think, I may have to look at, I may have to look at it now. I think it's Light is technically what Aish is. Yeah, but I just like, I just like the idea of Serene just, like, doing a Steve Carell impression and saying, I love Lamp. <laughs> I love Lamp. 
So uh, H, H means, means light or illumination. Ah, so his name's Light, huh? Is it, does he have a death note? Manat, 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 manat. What was what's what's Raiden's Aeon's name or Seon's name? No, Ian. Ian, Ian, yeah, that's what. It yeah, that's yeah. He's healing, isn't he? Ian means wisdom, but no. it that's the meaning of the of the thing. Aeon Ian was used in Aeondor as the basis for healing. Okay. So that's interesting. Aeon Irie, I-R-E, by the way, is uh, time or age. Anyway, back to the book. <laughs> and Galadon gets, Galadon's excited. Like, you fixed it. Aeon door works. Oh, my gosh. And Heron's like, yeah, this, this Aeon H isn't as bright as it's supposed to be. And Galadon's like, well, how, how would you even know, man? you never seen one work before. Like, what, but I read about them, and this one should be, like, way brighter. And so he tries another one. We also find out how to get rid of an Aeon, because that's never been relevant before. He just reaches up and, like, taps it, and it fades away. So he draws one with all of the power-increasing modifiers he knows, and it ends up being a little bit brighter than the first one. He's like, this should be too bright for us to even look at. There's something still not working right. Galadon asks, well, is, is the chasm line wrong? And he's like, no, it's, I mean, that's obviously most of the problem, because it works now. It's just not as powerful as it's supposed to be. So there must be something else happening. So the, as they experiment with some other Aeons, they realize that they cannot target their own bodies with anything. The, not with the healing that he tries, not with anything. And that goes back to Raoden's theory that they're like half transformed. They're they're stuck in the middle of the transformation. So the Aeons can't detect that there's anything there to target. Galon is horribly disappointed because he's like, what the f- what is the point then? Like, all this shit that we've been through, and we still can't fix us. And Ron's like, well, yeah, but we have magic now. Like, this is awesome. And they can't figure out why that first explosion was so powerful. They Rowden even tried that same one again, and it it says, sputtered out barely enough fire to warm a cup of tea. Because the door had built up. Come on, man. It's basic mathematics. Yeah, he's like, maybe there's some sort of buildup. And it just, I released it and drained that reservoir. And then he gets an idea. Like, wait a second, wait a second. And he gets out a book, draws up an Aeon from the book, and all of a sudden he looks normal again. So here's my question. And of course, we don't know the answer. I'm just, so this is like just more of a question for the group. If If the Aeons were at full strength, I wonder would his illusion Aeon like make his illusion tangible because later she just kind of pushes through his face, you know? So I was just like curious, like would that make his illusion tangible if his Aeon was like at full strength? This is a good question. I think in my brain, it was always like this particular one just didn't need that much juice to work, but maybe maybe you you might be right. Yeah, it could be, uh, it could be, it would be in some way more powerful, whether that's tangible or whether that's, uh, Something else. I can't think of what else, actually. Maybe you could, like, make a bigger illusion if it was more powerful. I don't know. But, yeah, he creates an illusion that makes him look normal. He can't apply it to himself, but he can apply it to his clothes, which, when he wears, he has an illusion on. And he's like, yeah, it only covers up my skin. It doesn't actually change anything. And Galadon's like, well, then what's the point? And Ron's like, uh, the point is we can now leave Elantris looking like normal people. Which, yeah, kind of a big deal. And uh, I, like... As a note on the in the annotations for the next chapter, Brandon's like, so in order for Kalu to appear in this chapter, 
Raiden and Galadon really had to do some serious moving because you have to realize Raiden's is the first in the triad. So this is the same day is like Serene's chapter is the same day as what we just saw. So he's like, I imagine they made the discovery early in the morning. And then Raiden was so eager to get out of the city and find out what was happening. They put on new faces, snuck out, went to the market to buy some costumes and then basically went straight to Royal's house. Looking for Royal. That worked, weren't they? Right. He did not expect to find Serene there, obviously. But, uh, you know. He also points out that, in case you've forgotten, he did build in earlier in the book that Rowden had Eendel teach him how to fight to annoy his father. <laughs> so yes, we cut, we, we get to Serene, and uh, she's talking to Aish. He's like, yeah, you know, I left a, mes- a message with Master Galadon, then I went to check on the king. And she's like, "How? okay, what's going on with the king? It's like, you know, he's uh, hanging out, lounging around. His largest current complaint is that there aren't enough young women left on the palace staff, which they were being ritually sacrificed so yeah on, yeah on yeah. one level that's super gross on another level that's fucked up man yeah it's, it's like where are all the young ladies the previous king killed them huh <laughs> well we need more yeah get some more of those they don't have to worry about that anymore probably and the staff are just like uh, are you gonna kill them no <laughs> no of course not wink i mean Did unless you you wink mean, unless yeah unless you mean uh, I mean, unless you think eating them is killing them. Is that, do you, <laughs> oh, God. Do you think that's the same? Tell, or? tell Ray the cannibal. <laughs> so uh, if we I've don't got really this nice bottle good, of uh, Chianti employment. here. So. We don't have really good employee satisfaction at the moment, so hiring <laughs> right. people is really difficult. <laughs> mm. Your approval rating is at an all-time low among the staff as well. What? Does Why? Count, does it count as staff turnover if they die? Uh, I, I mean, I guess. yes, it's a form of turnover. It's a, it's a, it's not a great <laughs> form of turnover to have. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it looks like, um, I would say 80% of your turnover is due to death. <laughs> Which That's, like you, your predecessor yeah. inflicted. Yep. Yeah. See? Death or mysterious disappearance, which could probably be attributed to death. Yep. <laughs> and Serene's just like, oh God, we've exchanged one idiot for another. How did he even get rich enough to be a duke? And he's just like, oh, actually, he didn't. His brother actually did the work, and he just inherited all that money. Someone else who did turn over upon death. Mm. I'm just assuming he killed the brother. Like, I, I, I imagine it'd probably never come up again, but I was like, well, Delry did that. Yeah, I believe it. Horathan is visiting the king daily now, but uh, everyone's like, why is why doesn't he just convert? Like, why is he waiting? We know. But everyone else is like, oh, what's going on here? And there's rumor going around that Hraithan has drafted a piece of legislature that will make it illegal to not be um, Drethi, and that he's trying to get the king to sign it, which that would be bad. But yeah, Tullery's not converting, and he hasn't signed this thing, and everyone's like, I wonder why. But she's heading to fencing practice to get some of that frustration out, and they now hold it at Duke Royal's house, given that uh, she no longer lives in the palace, and... Uh, Ashen no longer... I don't know where Ashen is. She went nuts, apparently, so who knows where she ended up. She'll be back. Secret villain. <laughs> like a Disney I movie. mean, not that I care too much, but I also kind of feel bad for her. But yeah, she wasn't... She never seemed bad, unless she actually is the secret villain. Correct. She. I mean, she didn't do anything to deserve all of the horrible things that happened to her. <laughs> yeah, she just existed and was a frivolous woman. That's... Uh, it's unfortunate. She was married to an abusive husband who it seemed like she was just like constantly walking on eggshells to avoid getting yelled mm-hmm. at by him. 
So but, yeah. It's like, oh, let's not bother the king. Yeah. Meanwhile, Serene is uh, looking back on her days in Elantris with fondness, not just because of spirit, but because she was like part of this community. She was accepted in a way that she's never been before because she's always been, you know, even here, she's the princess and everyone looks up to her and expects things from her. And they're not really her friends. They're like her posse. But in Elantris, she was just like, uh, you know, one of the crew. And so she goes and she starts practicing her uh, her fencing forms. And she's so absorbed in that and getting all tired and sweaty that it takes her a while to realize that all the other women have stopped practicing and have gathered around a newcomer over at the side of the garden. A man dressed in blue and green silks with a feathered hat. A Dooladen aristocrat with a dark-skinned servant who's massive and bulky. That's that's a little harsh. Like, why you gotta, Why you got to do Galadon like that? I mean, I guess it's true, but like most doulas of lower birth. So apparently the lower class doulas are all just like hulking big dudes. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Something else that they're known for <laughs> over there. <laughs> and uh, she's like, what's going on? And Aisha's like, oh, th- that's Kalu. He he just arrived a few minutes ago. Apparently one of the few Republicans to escape the massacre and he's been hiding out in Southern Aralon. And Kalu does this over the top, like, oh, you must be Princess Serene. They say you're the most fair woman in all of Opalon. And she's like, uh-huh, yeah, right. Although he does make her blush a little bit. And she's like, oh, I hate men that can do that. <laughs> I hate men who compliment me. But yeah, she, he's, he's he's really playing the, the doula stereotype hard. And Brandon says in his annotations, like, since the beginning of the book, I've been wanting to show a real doula. Because Galadon is such a quote-unquote bad doula. And so I was pleased to finally have the opportunity of working Kalu into the plot because you've been hearing about doulas for this whole book from other people. But now you get to meet one or at least someone pretending to be one. And then in parentheses, it says, uh, I hope I'm not giving anything away by letting you know that Kalu is really routed. It wasn't supposed to be a surprise. So, yes, he's 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 over the top flamboyant. Just all sorts of uh, crazy. Oh, wow. Like um, Galadon is just going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why? Why are you doing this? We couldn't pick any other um, nationality for you to pose as. No, no, you're going to pose as one of mine and make a complete ass out of yourself. Great. <laughs> well, and I, I like the way it describes when Royal shows up. It's like apparently the old man finally realized his property had been invaded by a roving doula. <laughs> and uh, Clue's instantly like bowing and praising the duke it's like how honored he is to meet such a venerable man and Serene's over on the side like i don't like him and Aisha's like oh yeah you never get along very well with doulet and aristocrats and she's like i don't know he seems he seems pretty messed there's something wrong here he didn't even have an accent and Aisha's like well i mean a lot of them didn't have accents like i've met a bunch with not even the slightest accent and finally she puts her finger on it. she's like this guy is too stereotypic doula aristocrat like he represents everything that they're they, they're supposed to be foolishly haughty, overdressed, overmannered, completely indifferent when it came to just about everything. See, once again, stuff that doulas are known for is um, their aristocrats are overmannered, overdressed and indifferent to everything, which maybe explains how they all ended up dead. <laughs> I feel like we need a checklist of all the things uh, doulas uh, <laughs> right? are known for and just check them off. Yeah. Go. It's like. Like, do any of these contradict each other? Like, I feel like jewels are just known for fucking everything. 
Oh, yeah. And like in the very next paragraph, it's like he's telling the story of his escape. And he's like, oh, yeah, doulas don't just talk with their mouths. They use their entire body as part of the storytelling. Here's another thing <laughs> that they, these people are known that for. they do. Yeah, yep. uh, I, I like to think like, you know, f- the Fjordal Empire strolled in and they're just like, hey, they're invading. How do you feel about it? I'm indifferent. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm sure it'll wear itself out. If I do not survive, tell my wife hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. They're invading. Please spare me your life story. <laughs> the... Your neutralness. It's a beige alert. <laughs> I like... Serene, I don't remember the second or third time that she's done this, but her solution is, hey, you want to fight? And he's like, I don't know <laughs> if I really want to fight. And she's like, no, you're going to fight and throws a sword at him. <laughs> Let's fight. <laughs> I've been I... pissed off. All day, I need to hit something. You just volunteered. <laughs> well, it's like this. I, I remember Ian Dell, at least, she did this exact same thing, too. And I think someone before Ian Dell, where it's just like, defend yourself, jumps into the fight. Should have done this with Iodon. Yeah. Um, yeah. He probably would not have worked. He'd just be like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> swords are don't hold losers. swords. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he he tries to be like, oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't really want to. I'm, I'm hardly dressed for this. And she's like, well, we'll make it a quick bout then. And she just comes at him. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And they have a little fight. Not, not, not only does she come at him, she she like uses a more dangerous weapon, not even like a practice weapon. And uh, then she's just like, yeah, I'm going to cut this guy. Like, yep. that's, uh, I, th- I think she might be kind of insane. Well, she apparently, like, she thought that she was catching him, like, I'm going to I'm going to call his bluff right here. He's not really a doula. And so he'll never fight if she's like, if I'd known that he was actually going to fight, then I wouldn't have chosen the dangerous blades. But too late now. She's she's having a rough time. Yeah, but it's not like she was like I said, it's not like she wasn't doing the same stuff, not thinking this all the way through back at the beginning either. So this is just oh, sure. Yeah. And so they have a they have a little fight and he's he doesn't really show too well for himself he's on the defensive pretty much the whole time and she thinks if he is really one of them he's like one of their less good fencers like usually three out of four of these people can beat me when i fought them before so i like that she's met enough of them and fought enough of them that she has a good sampling of uh like i know she was you know her father's chief ambassador or whatever to a lot of places but it's like really you just you went to dooladon and was just like hey let's fight Okay, maybe I believe well, Serene did that. Yeah, okay. Aish did say she never got on with uh, Duladell aristocrats, so maybe she has fought quite a lot of them. Maybe that's why she oh. had to leave Duladell. Uh, <laughs> they kicked her out. <laughs> They're like, uh, we were indifferent to you before, but now we're just annoyed. You gotta leave. It's like everyone in in Duladell. She's like, I'm just gonna challenge you to a duel. It's like, and uh, these apples are fourteen dollars. I'll duel you for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Duelist Society is known for dueling for apples. Yeah. It's like so, it's the possum hunters are there and they're like, son, number one. Yes. She's yeah. dueling again. Oh, we got to get the dueling brooms out to clean up the dueling mess. <laughs> In their fight, he like jumps into the fountain and uh, she feels her her sword hit something, but can't see an injury and is wondering about that. And he uses this opportunity to do a flashy little move and sticks his sword into the ground and pops a yellow flower out of nowhere. It's like, ah, oh, my lady, you found my secret. Never have I been able to face a beautiful woman in combat. My sword refuses to strike. 
and all the women <laughs> sigh dreamily behind him. Oh my gosh, these ladies. I like Serene's like, where did you get the flower? Eh, whatever. I, I was expecting her, like, when all the women start sighing dreamily, she was just going to eye them off and just say, one of you is next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, you could, you could feel the eye roll on the page when he said that to her. She's just like, oh my god. I do like, as he's leaving, he smiles at her, and it says, a smile she found strikingly familiar for some reason. Then he performed another one of his ridiculous bows and allowed himself to be led away. And we cut to Raythan, who is walking through the market, and uh, most of the merchants set up in the market are showing fjordal colors. And we he goes through this whole thing about how, you know, these guys would have been planning to come here for this big market. They would have bought their passage. They would have bought their wares that they were going to sell and invested so much into this way before King Idon died. So despite the craziness, they had to make the trip. They need this money. So Hraithan tries to walk through confidently to give the merchants like a, a measure of uh, security that things were okay. Things were not well, not at all. His hurried call via Seon to Viking Pope had come too late. Tell, Tellery's message had already arrived. Fortunately, he, Ren had displayed only slight anger at Tellery's presumptuousness. He's like, look, I don't have any patience for fools. Obviously, I'm never going to make a foreigner Gjorn. So, you know, deal with it. And Hraithan, as we know, has been meeting with Tellery every day, we learned in the previous chapter. It is not going well. He seems slightly more reasonable than that first day when he tossed Hraithan out, but he is not seeming like he's moving any closer to openly converting. I want to be a Gjorn. The Pope said no. Well, shit. <laughs> but I wanna. Then Hraithan's like, it's okay, you still got a month left, we can do this. I like how Tellery's like, I want to be a genie. Nah. You know, Grayson's like, ah, genie god said you can't. So, uh, I mean, I, I can still grant you wishes. No, I want to be a genie. Well. Grayson sees one of the blood red priest robes on someone ducking into one of the tents. He's like, wait a second. My artists are supposed to be in solitary meditation, not idly shopping. Just get over here and see who I can yell at. Feel better about myself right now. Who's wagging school? <laughs> What he finds is a place where offerings have been burnt, incense, rather, has been burnt. And he kind of reaches in and looks, rubs his fingers in the ash. And a voice says, the ashes are like the wreckage of your power, are they not, Raythan? He turns around and it's Diloph. He's like, what, the, what are you doing here? And Diloph just uh, stands there staring at him creepily. He's like, I, I just asked you a question. You failed, Raythan. That fool Tellery is playing with you. You, a Gjorn of Shudreth. Men do not make demands of the Fjordal Empire, Hraithan. They should not. He's like, what? What do you, what do you even... Shut up. Not, not even your business. Delos like, you were close, I admit, but your foolishness cost you the victory. I don't, I don't even know what Hraithan could have done to make this work the way it was supposed to, but apparently it was his foolishness, according to Delos, that screwed things up. And Delos like, it slipped away, hasn't it, Hraithan? My victory is so sweet in the face of your failure. And Hraithan's like, what victory? You haven't achieved any. Dilof? And Dilof just leaves. He's like, Dilof, what What victory, Dilof? So, yeah, it's like, I still think he has a personal stake in Atlantis, but, like, what's what's his personal beef with Hraithan? It seems like he's, like, really just enjoying seeing Hraithan fail. Like, Yeah, right? That definitely the guy seems that... more personal than before. 
Yeah, did he like? Is this the guy who they would they wouldn't allow in Darkor Monastery until after Hraithan got the boot? And it's like, oh, we've got a spot opened up. He can come in. <laughs> Maybe it's just like Hraithan pulled such a, a big one, taking everything away from him when he came back from Elantris. Maybe he's now like relishing that he's turning things around somehow. Mm. But we cut to Rowden going ow as Galadon is so enclosed a cut in his cheek, and Galadon's like, stop whining. Karada's better at this. Well, wait till we get back to Elantris then. And uh, he says, no, I can't. I can feel this one ripping open a little bit each time I smile. See, I didn't even, that hadn't even occurred to me that, yes, they keep these wounds forever, but with something like a cut, you would make it worse by moving around if it never is closing up. It's awful. Right? He's like, and of course, it has to be here where it's like every time I smile and or talk or whatever, it's opening more. Why couldn't she have hit me in the arm? And Calvin's like, because we're lanterns. If a bad thing can happen to us, it will. And he's like, you were lucky you could even fight with that body of yours. Because you got to remember their bodies are kind of not their, their muscle tone fades. He's like, yeah, it was not easy. That's why I had to end it so quickly. And they have a discussion about like, uh, so am I con- a convincing doula? Because they didn't have time to practice this with how fast they had to do this whole thing. Y'all's like, well, I wouldn't have believed you, but they seem to. We Not like we really had another choice. Because only so many countries speak Aeonic, so he can't pretend to be an Aeroline noble, because these are all Aeroline nobles. They would know whether that was true. Can't pretend to be from Teod, because Serene would know. So if he wanted to speak Aeonic, that left Duladel. <laughs> he tried to imitate... Uh, so they'd practice a little bit, I guess, because he tried to imitate Galadon's accent, and uh, it said even his pronunciation of a simple word such as Kolo had sent Galadon into gales of laughter. So instead, he gets to play an aristocrat, and he's like, Rowden had met many of them, and all all replicating their personality required was a sense of flamboyance and a nonchalant attitude. And he's like, I'm pretty sure Serene is suspicious, and Galen's like, well, yeah, she's she's more paranoid than uh, most people. Angry, angry young woman. And he wants to tell her, but she refuses to be alone with him and wouldn't even read the letter that he sent her. She returned it unopened. So when um, later on, when she's like, why did you tell me? I'm like, well, he tried. Why were you being a jackass? How about that? Yeah, sure. This identity he wants to, to like give to her. <laughs> and Brandon says in the annotations, he's like, OK, so I, I admit that we're pushing the bounds of probability a little bit here with uh, Rowden's persona and Serene not figuring it out and him not telling her because that's pretty much the main reason he would have left Elantris is to see her. So it doesn't make sense that he would purposefully try to fool her. So I had to add in this stuff that was like she didn't want to be alone with him. She refused his letter. Maybe that's all a little unplausible, too, but uh, because I can't see Serene avoiding anything that smells of politics. But also she's uh, way, way more impetuous than other political characters I've used. So she could send away Kalu's letter because of a mood or simply because she thought he was trying to taunt her. <laughs> but my favorite part is he says the saddest part about Kalu, I think, is that he's not a real character. And I had so much fun writing him that when I was done, I wish that I had a real full character to play with. And all the characterization gets undermined by the fact that it's just Rowden playing a part. Well, I mean, how hard would it have been to just include this sort of character in the group of conspirators from the, from the start of the book? I mean, you got the Jindo guy already. That's true. Um, there's a plausible reason, like, the clue identity passes muster to the characters because there's a plausible reason for him to exist. So there could have easily been one in the group. That's true. Yeah. I guess you didn't think of that. Yeah, I get that to an extent. <laughs> although it's it, the way that 
it, it comes out from Royal later, it, it sounds like his character is actually kind of implausible because he, because he asks like, well, how many other Republicans have come up since the fall of Duladel? He's like, none, zero. You are the only one. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So, but he's come here and apparently everyone has accepted him pretty easily. But what he really wants is to get invited into one of these secret meetings. He's like, if I, if I want to do any good for Aralon, I got to get into that group. And if you could tell Serene who he was, that would probably be easy. But she's not listening, so he's got to figure out how to get invited. And so he puts back on his, his illusion, and he's like, the Magnificent Kalu returns. And Gal's like, please, not not in private. I come close enough to strangling you in public. Ah, what a life. Loved by all women, envied by every man. <laughs> oh, man. I, I like Kalu also, so it's kind of disappointing that we don't get more of him. But <laughs> What a name, too. It's like... It's like it's like he's the the great kazoo. It's yeah. just like you know, it's such a name. The Kalu, Mr. Kalu. I I was reminded of um Baloo the bear from the Jungle Book. Sure, yeah. yeah and I was like, oh, and now Phil Hartman's here. He also has a very relaxed attitude. So, yeah, he's just gonna start singing the band necessities. <laughs> the jewel necessities. Yeah. The the, the duel of di- yeah. No, I like it. <laughs> Someone write that. And, you just need you know, your trying not to get killed by Disney lawyers. Uh, I was trying to think of what the dual necessities would be, but it's it's, it's all like <laughs> relaxing and being optimistic and being good at everything. Did you say, because, what did you say, Phil Hartman? Did Phil he Hartman did say, play, play Blue one time in the Disney movie? I thought he did. Really? No, oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know about that, Dick. I'm not trying to call you out, but I'm just curious now because I'm confused. Well, what's the Let's find out. Disney's Jungle Book, 1967. Oh, that's probably too early. Never mind. Yeah, I was about to say, Phil Hartman would have been pretty... Uh, <laughs> oh, you might you might be thinking of Phil Harris. That's who played Bull. Oh, that... Yep, yeah, okay, that'll be it. It was the bare necessities. I thought you might have been talking about the live-action one, and I was like, dude, he's way dead. Yeah, that was way after. Well, yeah. I, I was no, thinking, that was, like, Bull that was, that was That was Bill that Murray, was Bill Murray right? Yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill, Phil, close enough. <laughs> Good try. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Royal shows up. He's like, hey, and Ron is just like, yeah, I trust your day has been as fine as mine. And he's like, can I come in? Well, yeah, I mean, it's your house after all. We are so unspeakably indebted to your kindness that I shall never manage to repay you. Oh, my God. I hate this personality so much. <laughs> but apparently they brought some solid gold lamp mounts from Elantris and uh, Royal sold them for him. He's like, yeah, you should I love be lamp. able to live comfortably for several years off of that money. Excellent. We shall immediately seek another place of residence. And Rose like, no, no, stay. It's fine. I got this big house and I'm all by myself. All right, then we'll stay as long as you shall suffer us with a characteristic Dooladen lack of decorum. See, they're also known for lack of decorum. <laughs> it was said yeah, there you go. the moment what you invited a Dula to stay, <laughs> you would never get rid of him or his family. I guess the opposite of all those things. So decorum. Well, it's uh, like apparently... Galadon is the embodiment of uh, everything a Duladil is not, so he's, he's just a grouchy, polite motherfucker. Well, and <laughs> earlier it said that they were overmannered, so I, I don't know. That's almost a contradiction, it seems like. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's I'm gonna write. About it. I, I'm yeah. gonna write a book about Duladil or Duladin, <laughs> and I'm gonna say it, Duladin, the people of the walking contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, where did you get a dozen? lamp mouths of solid gold and he's like oh they were family heirlooms i pried them off our mansion walls even as the people burned it down rose like man that must have been bad he's like yeah no it was terrible terrible 
But I have new country now and new friends, and you guys will be my family. So it's great. <laughs> it's like, it's like, word, you're cold, dog. And he's like, yeah, it was bad. But hey, I'm here now. Yay. <laughs> oh, my girlfriend left me. Oh, my mom died. I got the van, though. Yeah, my dad died. Got the van, though. His mom got deported. And oh, that's right. <laughs> and so, but Royal's kind of trying to feel him out about, he's, he's like, hey, all that stuff that happened back there, stuff like that may just be starting here. And he's like, oh, these troubled times, where can I find simple peace? And Royal's like, well, sometimes you got to make your own peace, citizen. And uh, it's like, I hope I don't injure you by pointing out that other CU is rather frivolous. And Ron's like, well, yeah, I hope so. I should hate to think I've been playing the fool for nothing. And so he says, how did you manage to escape Doolittle? And it's like, I can't tell you that. There, there's people who would suffer dearly if their part in my escape was known. Yeah, and this is where I have to kill you. Yeah. This is where he's like, do you know how many other refugees came up to the border? And he's like, I'm afraid not. I was a little busy at the time to be counting them. It's like, not a one. You are the only one that I know of that escaped. Uh, the, I hear the Republicans were too shocked to even think of escaping. He says, yeah, my people are slow to act. In this case, our lax manner proved our downfall. The revolution rolled over us while we were still discussing what to have for dinner. Which, ouch. Yeah, I mean, and he's not actually a duelist, so that's kind of harsh. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> this is something he couldn't get from coaching from Galadon, because Galadon didn't know about this. Right? Galadon wasn't there. And Galadon is in the room while he's saying this stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. He's totally, like, just bullshitting his way and insulting his, uh, Galadon's people right in front of him <laughs> without having any actual knowledge if that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, Royal is kind of, is has decided to invite him. He's like, hey, you know where the Merchant Keen's house is? Meet there at sunset. And it's like, wow, that was really easy. Like, I was just saying, like, how are we, how are we going to get me invited to this secret meeting? And then, boom, there we go. And he's like, see, the secret was royal. He sees through most facades. But unlike Serene, he doesn't think, why is this person trying to fool me? He thinks, how can I make use of what I know? I gave him hints, and he responded. Yeah. That's why you're that, the manservant, Galadon, and I'm the leader. <laughs> but I like that description of Royal because it does make him sound a lot more slick than Serene. It's like he sees the same stuff he does. He just keeps his mouth shut and is like, how can I use this to my advantage? He's a sneaky dude, that Royal. And he tucks a makeup cloth into his pocket after putting some brown stuff on it. And Galadon's like, what's that? And he says, something I hope I won't have to use. And, of course, we know in the next chapter he's going to have to use it. So we cut to I Serene. I was confused about that. Yeah. And I know we're not there yet, but like, does he use the makeup and put it on? No. So, and I don't know if he describes it in this chapter or if it's a different chapter, but he he uses the makeup cloth when he removes the illusion of himself looking like a Doolittle. Mm -hmm. That's, he, he doesn't want anyone to know that he's using magic and it's an illusion. That's his explanation is that like, he has this cloth with this brown stuff on it. So he wants it to look like he just wiped it off his face and, and that's like that's what happened yeah but he wouldn't look like Raiden, and everybody said he, like he looked like Raiden. that's what i'm confused well, yeah, about. and that's what and serene calls it out it's like he's trying to make it look why he wants everyone to believe that he wiped off some makeup and had a completely different face okay yeah not that it really matters because then he immediately goes and uses some magic so <laughs> yeah i don't know it's confusing yeah like we cut to Serene in the in, in Keen's kitchen. It's like, what is he doing here? She hates Kalu so much. It's like that idiot Kalu sat in there dressed in a montage of garish reds and oranges. Well, I mean, you know how these people feel about orange. Yep. And Lugal's like, I don't know, Royal invited him. It's like, what, what? 
Has Royal gone mad? Serena asked, perhaps more loudly than she should have. What if that cursed doula is a spy? And he hears her, and it says, he asks merrily, a spy for whom? I don't think your pompous king has the political acumen to hire spies. And let me assure you, no matter how much I exasperate you, princess, I bother fjordals even more. The Gjorn would rather stab himself in the chest than pay me for information. Oh, I love his his character and just how, like, not giving a fuck he is about everything. Um, I'm with Serene on this one. If I was dealing with a person like this, I would want to punch him. Like, this is the point where it's like, Serene is Frank Grimes and Kalu is Homer Simpson. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. Yeah. Oh, Grammy. Rest in peace. And Royal's like, hey, Serene, you're the one who said not very long ago when you joined us that a fresh perspective is helpful. So, you know, maybe don't discount his value immediately because he happens to be a little more eccentric than you find comfortable. Ahan is late, as usual. Shooting an Ian Deller there, having a subdued conversation. And, like, and she had specifically told Keen not to prepare dinner, but he'd made some food anyway, some snacks and such. She doubted other treasonous conspiracies enjoyed gourmet snacks. So, you know, there's that. Uh, so they start discussing it. Like, what are we going to do? And Royal's like, if we had, like, more troops, we could actually maybe, you know, intimidate him into doing what we want. Maybe Teod can send us some troops. And she's like, no, we don't really have that many land troops anyway. We're like a sea power. And also my dad's not going to send any. Uh, also, my dad swore have sworn himself to shoot Reth, So he's not really going to help us stop them here. And Shun's like, well, there's some resistance fighters in Dooladel, right? And everyone looks at Kalu, who, uh, yeah, he has to bullshit his way through this because he has no idea. He's like, oh, you don't want their help. They're mostly former Republicans and they can duel fine. But against a trained soldier, they're not much good. The resistance only survives because the Fjordals are too lazy to chase it out of the swamps. And Shun's like, but I thought they were hiding in the caves. And Ren's like, yeah, well, there, there's more than one group of them. So, And Serene can see. He's like, oh, he's uncertain. Who is this guy? And Lucal's like, I think we should bring the people in. Like, just encourage the common people to rise to our cause. And Iandel's like, well, yeah, I mean, that could work. Lady Serene's plan has given them a taste of freedom, and they've grown more self-confident in the last few weeks. But you can't train a bunch of men to fight overnight. It takes time. And Rel's like, yeah, tell where you will be Dorethi long before we can train up an army. And Lucal's like, well, I could pretend to be Dorethi for a while, if only while I'm planning the king's demise. And Serene's like, no, yeah, we, we can't let Shudoreth get a foothold, or it will never leave. And Han's like, you're taking the, like, it's just a religion. We have real problems here, Han says. She's like, oh, you don't think Shudareth is a real problem? Why don't you ask, explain that to the Jindo and the Duladel? So Army of Peasants is out, too time-consuming. And Kalu is like, well, I don't, do we really want a war? I've seen what a bloody revolution can do to a nation. And so like, well, what are we going to do? We can't fight Tellery. We can't wait for him to convert. So Yandel's like, well, we could kill him. Keen's like, yeah, I mean, assassinating Tellery could solve some problems. The is just like, oh, we're on to killing him already. I hadn't expected that quite so early in the meeting. It's like, oh man, we just we skipped the small talk and the and the and you know we're cutting straight to dessert now. <laughs> so we've had a few, we've knocked back a few drinks. We're just like, fuck, just kill him. That's why I said no dinner. I wanted to get to the killing part. <laughs> <laughs> well, and everyone in the room is kind of like, yeah. Even even Rowden's like, one man's death to save a nation. But then he turns around. He's like, but what if we're underestimating the people of Aralon? Not just the peasants, but the nobility. I mean, haven't you sensed their hesitance to back Tellery? Haven't you seen the discomfort in their eyes? And Keen's like, what about the guard? He's like, well, I wonder if we couldn't turn them. I mean, certainly they could be persuaded to see that what they've done isn't right. The guard and the nobility support Tellery because they don't see another alternative. 
Lord Royal was shamed by a failed wedding and Lady Serene thrown into a lantris. But now that that embarrassment is removed, maybe we can show the guard the ultimate result of their decision, occupation by Fjordal, and in the enslavement of their people, they will recognize they supported the wrong man. Give men an honest choice, and I believe they will choose wisely. That's, that is when Serene realizes exactly who this is. Serene knew that faith, that pure base belief in the basic goodness of all men. And when she suddenly realized where she'd seen it before, she couldn't stop herself from jumping up and yelping in surprise. And Ron's like, damn, I let Kalu go too quickly and put too much of myself into this. The others didn't notice, but Serene, dear suspicious Serene, had not been so lax. That's We get we like two paragraphs of uh, Raoden point of view before jumping back to Serene. Rose like, Princess, are you okay? And she's like, no, we need a break. Luke was like, well, we haven't been going very long. No, we need a break. And Rose like, all righty then, a break. And Keen's like, awesome. I've got some raggish meat wraps cooling in the back. Let me go get those. This <laughs> Keen. I, I, I love that if you're going to have a conspiracy, this is a guy that you want on your side. He's smart and he cooks delicious food. <laughs> there's just there's just no way to uh, to beat that. And maybe he's a pirate, right? So, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he can crush a throat or two. You never know. <laughs> Just send him in to kill, to kill Tellery. That's there's your solution. Yeah, like, King Tellery is dead. How his throat was crushed. <laughs> Who could have done it? What's his uh, <laughs> What's his wife's name? Uh, Deora. Yeah, he's like Deora. Where's my pirate suit? <laughs> he's like, why do you need it? Where's my throat crushing gauntlets? Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's like, because it wasn't it the incredible she was saying, like, I've been planning this dinner. So it said, like, no, she'll have to be convincing him. No, you've been planning this dinner for ages. <laughs> like, Shit, I have too. I don't want to forego that. <laughs> so they head into the back room and Serene grabs him and, like, throws him against the wall. Like, Spirit, what the what are you doing here? He's like, hey, not not so loud. I mean, how do you think they're going to react if they find out they've been sitting with an Elantrian all this time? And she like she's like, how did you even? And she reaches up and her fingers kind of go through. The nose on Kalu is bigger than Spirit's nose, so it kind of passes through. He's like, you were right about the aeons. We added one line and it started working again. One line? Yeah, the chasm. It caused the rayod. And she's like, it works. And then she punches him and she's like, you've been lying to me. He's like, owl, please no, don't hit me. My body doesn't heal. Remember? Yeah, because that's why you shouldn't hit someone. Yeah. <laughs> Women, am I right? <laughs> oh yeah, we stay it out of that one. <laughs> yeah, no, you absolutely should. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sidestep that altogether. Talk about my beautiful little dog. <laughs> He's dog a corgi, and he is great. No, he does lick a lot though. Can't my get cat, him to stop licking. My cat would. That's the worst thing he does. Yeah, um, that's probably the worst. Yeah. But he, he explains that Andor's still not quite working right, and she's like, "Why did you lie to me?" And he's like. Hey, look, I like his response is, you're going to try and tell me this wasn't more fun? She says, well, like, only you would <laughs> consider that a valid excuse. I never got a chance to tell you. Every time I approached you, you ducked away and you ignored the letter I sent you. So I couldn't just jump in front of you and drop the illusion. <laughs> this is kind of your fault. Just saying. Right. He's like, I came to Cade's last night to see you at the window. I brought the boom box and everything. <laughs> And she's like, you did? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, ask Galadon. He's back at Royals eating all of the Duke's Jadorian candy. Did you know he has a weakness for sweets? <laughs> the, Duke, the Duke or Galadon? I like how this, the conversation, she's just game for wherever the conversation goes. She's like, oh, yeah. wait, wait, somebody has a weakness for sweets? Which one? He's like, both of them, actually. But anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, they're going to wonder what's taking us so long. She's like, let him. 
all the other women have been mooning over Clue. It's time for me to fall in line. Oh, man. And he's like, I'm so, you know, it was the only way I had to act the part. And she says, you acted it too well. And he's like, I didn't know you were such a good fencer. And she says, my talents are plentiful. And apparently so are yours. I didn't know you were such a good actor. I hated you. And she says, why did you come? And he says, to find you. And says, she smiled. That was the right answer. Oh, God. <laughs> also, also, they're having a heartwarming hug. And this is where he drops the hint where he's like, you've done a wonderful job. Better than I could have imagined. I assumed these men would stop meeting after I left. And she goes, wait, what was that? What did you say? After you left. And then people start calling and he's like, we got to go back. Uh, let's just say I have something else I need to tell you once this meeting is through. <laughs> and they get back and Han is gone. And uh, they said, where's Han? And Keen says he left. Lukal says the count claims he ate something that didn't agree with him and he stepped out. Immediately when he left, I was like, oh, no, double cross. Here it comes. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like I didn't. Gonna happen. Uh, yeah, the characters not having that doubt in their minds was kind of ridiculous to me. I'm just like, OK, come on. He left in the middle of the meeting randomly. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not his stomach. <laughs> I like Lugal's response of being like, well, I mean, the dude eats so much that it's a wonder he doesn't end up sick every night pure, by the pure laws of probability. <laughs> well, you know, it's like and it was very clear to me. It's like they took a break right after they started mentioning like, yeah, we're probably gonna have to kill him. It's like, OK, even for a Han, maybe that's too far. And mm. without knowing the extra stuff that we knew after he comes back, it's just like, OK, yeah, he probably thought, OK, they're actually talking about killing this guy now. That's too far. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't necessarily blame him, but Tauri's a horrible king, so maybe I kind of do. But there's a, there's a great bit that goes along with what people were saying earlier in the book here in the annotations. He says, yes, a Han is a traitor. When building this book, I knew I wanted to have one of the characters betray the rest. And I also didn't want it to be the most obvious one. This left me with a problem. I had to provide a character who no one would suspect at a traitor, and yet at the same time make it believable that he would turn traitor. The first thing I did was throw an Edon as a diversion. He worked perfectly. Virtually all of my alpha readers mentioned that they thought for certain he would turn traitor. So did Dak. So yep. I rode that train for a while. I had Edon run off early because I wanted to lull the readers into a sense of security, thinking that the quote-unquote traitor character had disappeared already. And I didn't want to throw in a Han's betrayal while Edon was still there. I think that would have made Edon's purpose too obvious to those who could see the two contrasted in that way. Then I started foreshadowing it with the way a Han acts and speaks without thinking through his actions. Mentioned this in a couple places. And finally, I begin to have him act suspicious. You can look through what's been going on to find out the way he's been acting with. He was the person that when Tellery became king, they sent him to talk to Tellery for them, basically. And there's other little things that were dropped along the way to kind of give you hints. And he says, anyway, I think the other thing that lets me get away with Ahan's betrayal is that he doesn't completely change characters with the treason. He isn't a different person. He doesn't suddenly become a bad guy like happens in some stories. <clears throat> the TV show 24 first season. I didn't see that, but apparently he's kind of unhappy about how that went. Wow. Ahan just didn't think hard enough about what he was doing. He took his actions too lightly. Back there, we haven't quite gotten to that yet, but I like that part in the annotations, so. So Lugal says, or Royal says, yeah, we should go on and without him, there's no telling how long he may be indisposed. And then Royal says, so if everyone will forgive me, I have to say something. I never once debated whether or not we, we would have to take action against Tellery. I spent, he and I have spent the last 10 years as enemies. He's a flagrant, wasteful man and will make an even worse King Nyadon. My reason for demanding more time before we met was not to wonder if we should just depose Tellery. The reason was that for time to wait for some associates to arrive. 
<laughs> assassins, men I hired out of Fjorden. Not all people in that country are perfectly loyal to their god. Some are sworn to gold instead. So Royal has called in some assassins, and they're staying in an inn nearby. But he goes, I've changed my mind, though. This young man from Dulad, and then feet are clomping in the entryway before he can finish his sentence. The door opens, and there is Tellery and a group of armed soldiers. And following them is Ahan. And Royal's like, Ahan, what have you what have you done? And Ahan's like, I got you, old man, finally. I told you I would. Joke about how my caravans are doing now. We'll see how yours do while you spend the next few years in prison. And Royal's like, idiot, do you not realize when this stopped being a game? He's like, yeah, whatever, I got you. I've been waiting to do this for months. I could never get Iodon to take my warning seriously. So even back then, he was trying to warn Iodon about this group and what they were doing. But Iodon was like, no, Royal's my friend. He wouldn't betray me. Oof. Yeah, that is kind of sad. And Serena's stunned that this is the guy who betrayed them. It's like, I actually like this guy. How could someone I like do something so horrible? Tellery snaps his fingers, and a soldier shoves his sword through Royal's belly. And Tellery says, thus are the judgments of your king. That's abrupt. Right? Yeah, that was just... Yeah. Like, hi guys, stab. I didn't see that coming. Han did not see that coming either. He's like, no, you said prison. And he starts crying and kneeling by Royal. Did yeah, I? Yeah, because they were buddies. They were frenemies. So he sends some of the other guards to go and find those assassins and throw them off the walls of Elantris. Yeah, right. If they're really feudal assassins, no way some Elantrian guardmen are going to throw them off the walls. Right. <laughs> going to get their asses kicked is what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> like they walk in the door, they just get their throat slit immediately. Right? <laughs> the building the rest, just blows up. The rest of you kill the traitor. Starting <laughs> yeah, that would be good, pretty cinematic. They just walk in. <laughs> <laughs> that poor inn. What did the inn do? <laughs> the field is don't care. Yeah, tragedy struck today <laughs> as 60 innocent bystanders were killed in what appears to be a feudal assassination plot. Oh, man. Yeah, so he orders them to kill everybody else, and shooting and Indel are, no, don't kill the princess. And uh, that's when a voice calls out, interesting you should mention usurpers, Duke Tellery. I was under the impression the throne belonged to Iodon's family. And everyone turns, and there is Prince Rowden. Serene says her eyes found spirit, or at least someone wearing spirit's clothing. Toss a rag on the table and she could see brown stains on it, as if he wanted everyone to believe he'd simply wiped away the makeup to reveal a completely different face. And Tellery's like, Prince Rowden, no, you died! You should you should have also had Marishi make him like a prosthetic nose or something, so he could just toss that aside <laughs> as well. I like I like how Tellery kind of like reiterates, it's like, no, they they told me you died. Like like I, I know lied. you're dead. They yeah, they couldn't have lied about that. You're dead. <laughs> Same thing that happened to your daughter. How weird, huh? Oh, yeah. That's true. And Ron's just like, would, to the guards, would you dare slay the true king of Erlon? And now the guards aren't sure what to do. And Tellery yelps, men, protect me, and turns and runs from the room. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the worst. He's like the worst bad guy ever. He's like, protect me. Jesus, <laughs> run away, guys. run away. It's <laughs> just like a... Like a, a Simpsons moment, Lionel Hutz is trying to take on Mr. Burns. He's like, we've got witnesses, precedent, a paper trail a mile long. And Mr. Burns goes, well, I've got 10 high-priced lawyers. And the wall just opens <laughs> up, they're all looking at him. And he just goes, ah, 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 and runs. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's 
so speaking of ba- of ridiculous bad guys, there's a great bit in the um, the Mad Prince ex- excerpts from the the uh, the deleted scenes where it's like the Mad Prince dies and his the the officers of his army are trying route in for his death. Like you're responsible for what happened to the the prince, and Rowden basically accepts like you know I th- I think it's like if you let Serene live then I'll take the blame or something like that. And they're like, okay. what even was this book? <laughs> but no, so, there's a trial. Yeah, well, and it's not it's it's a really weird trial, but yeah. So he says, yeah, you know, I'll accept responsibility if you X Y and Z, and there's actually dramatic speech. It's kind of cool, but anyway. So they're like, okay, you can't handle the truth. Now you'll be executed <laughs> as prescribed by Prince, uh, whatever. I forget his name now. I told you before. Mad and Prince so, Rayodom. So they they have the guy, they have Rayodom stand there, and the general takes the sword and closes his eyes and swings it, and he misses Rayodom. And they're like, okay, execution done. And everyone's like, wait, what? It's like, oh no, that's how <laughs> the prince told. That's how the prince told us that you perform executions. You close your eyes and you swing, and if you miss, the guy was innocent after all. What? <laughs> so you learn what? Okay, well, that's a good. Uh, that's a good cut because that makes no oh, damn yes. sense. Thank God, that's. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine? We read that, and it's just like, yeah, we miss, so you're free to go. By the time by the time you get to that though <laughs> you, you you totally buy it because of how insane this guy has been. Uh, in I his guess but, so. Basically, yeah, what you're saying was the original cut of this something. was a comedy. Yeah, you know, a little bit. Like was the was the brother Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was riding around on a unicycle. He's like waka waka. <laughs> it's like, like okay, it's one thing that the brother is insane. And like okay, the brother's insane and he thinks this is how it's meant to go. Sure, that everyone else would just buy that. Right? Yeah, that's the insane part, that everyone's like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's how we do it. He said so, so it must be true. Yeah, the prince, I mean, he, he's the one who makes the rules. Just following the rules. <laughs> what's, um, he, what's he What's he? going to do? It's like, well, you're not following my rules, so I'm going to execute you, miss. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and all the barristers wear wigs, because that's how we do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, away from the comedy to royal dying on the floor. <laughs> it's a very different uh, sort of scene. Well, if I have got it, yeah, if the guard had missed, it would have been fine. Um, but I'm not gonna get Royal, this. <laughs> Royal's dying, and Rowden, and he's, Rowden goes up to him, and he's like, "Rowden, you've returned to us." And so Rowden starts trying to draw an Aeon. He's like, "I should have known it was you." All that silly talk about trusting people. Can you believe I started? Yeah, this is a real. Uh, this is a real heartfelt moment, you know. Gets a, gets gets a, gets the tear jerking a little bit. Because we, we like Royal a lot, and the, and we never got to see these two together before, but just from this short section, it's clear that they had a really nice relationship. Yeah. Royal's, Royal says I should have sent those assassins the moment they arrived. Yeah, you probably should have. Yeah, well. Now the see, inn's going to blow up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's all your fault. But he sees this, the Aeon. He's like, have you returned the beautiful city as well? But uh, Spirit draws the healing Aeon. He does not know how to direct it specifically enough so it tries to heal his whole body a scratch on his face disappears some liver spots fade but it's not enough to seal this gaping wound <laughs> it's a real bummer it's like oh man your liver spots are gone you look good uh but you're <laughs> you look dying. good and he's you like I, better. I didn't study the modifiers damn it <laughs> yeah this is real this is a real sad moment especially when you add on top that like he might have been able to save him maybe yep. And also, it's like you really see Royal 
Like, he obviously believed and loved Rowden, like, believed in and loved Rowden. Like, the, just the fact that he's like, have you restored the city? Like, obviously he thinks Rowden could do anything. <laughs> so, it's yeah, it's a real sad moment. Yeah, he says, you know, don't cry. Your turn is a blessing. You can't save this tired old body, but you can save the kingdom. I will die in peace knowing you're here to protect it. It's very sweet. And Rowden is like, you, you did a good job with me, man. Without you, I would have turned out like my dad. And he goes, no, you were more like your mother from the start. But we never met, so that... Right. I guess she was nice. Everyone was singing her praises, so... Yeah. And Royal dies. And everyone else uh, is in shock from all of this shit that just happened, because that was a lot. It's like, well, we lost one friend, but we got another one back that we thought was dead. So it's like, really, we're on an even keel. Shudan, Iandel, and Lucal all fall to their knees and bow their heads, and Iandel is my king. And then Serene's like, my husband. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> bum, bum, bum! It's like, yep, you're married again. Or are they? I, I think it's still kind of up in the air yeah. about whether they're married. It's true, it's true. The marriage laws is just so confusing. Well, yeah, because right? technically, I mean, I don't know if, if he's, is he considered to be dead because he's an Elantrian? I mean, I don't know. But he's hiding the fact that he's an Elantrian, too, so... Which yeah, I... Yeah, that's, no again, I'm confused. How is he hiding that? In what way could he be hiding it? Because he's, like, he just put took on the illusion off. Face? Well, if he well, knew yeah. how to do that, then he should have just shown up as himself. It's, yeah, he just took off one illusion and swapped it for another. I, I, like, I don't understand the point of Kalu, then. Like, if I was him, I would just show up as myself, then, if I knew how to do that. But then Brandon couldn't have had his sassy Dooladin character. Well, but also, yes. I mean, if he just shows up as himself, then that creates a huge stir before he even has a good handle on yeah. like, what's going on in the city. All of a sudden, it's like, I oh, mean, Rowden's I back. guess I see. I don't buy that because he knew what was going on to an extent from Aish. If he shows up, that deposes Telri immediately, like immediately he's in control. So that really doesn't make any sense. Mm, that That's a fair point. Depending or on how he would be dead. It depends on how you the know. soldiers react. Like, do they still back Tellery or do they change to back him? Because if they still back Tellery, if Tellery can bribe them or something enough to stay with him, then yeah, maybe starting a war by just showing up. Who knows? I guess, but still, like, you know, I don't know. It seems foolish to me if he had the ability to make an illusion of his own face. Let's get into predicaments, peoples. What, uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen in the ten chapters that we have left here? Ooh, I I think there's still something to do with the the patterns in the aeons that he's drawing because um, he's made comment about, you know, there's these random spots and other things that don't quite line up. I think there's something there to, you know, unlocking the rest of the door or, or something. I, I did think, and I, I think maybe it was in my predictions last time, I did think that they were possibly going to be able to heal the city and, you know, Serene and Raiden would end up together. But we had that whole bit about the the well, uh, not the well, wrong book, um, puddle of water up on the hill yeah, the, where the they little, go. Yeah, the <laughs> lake thing. The lake. lake. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, baby brain. Maybe that will still come into play. I was thinking that maybe maybe Raiden would have to, you know, be be put in the lake. Maybe he won't make it out of the book. Serini would still rule Aralon, and he has to effectively he has to die to unlock the rest of the door, maybe to restore 
that kind of brings back this one man, one man sacrifice for the good of the nation. So I think I'm starting to think maybe things like that might happen, might come to fruition. But that's yeah, that's really all that I've I've got. I think um, Dilaf. Yeah, I, I thought he was probably part of his assassin group. The the sportish people we don't really know much about. Do we except that like Lukul and his wife studied over in Swarton? Yeah. Um, so I was like, this is sort of introducing someone else again, and these other assassins are from Fjorden, so yeah. they're a the couple of groups of assassins maybe floating around. Yeah, Raven, uh, may, maybe we'll lose Raven. I don't know. I I guess the next chapter we come back into is is their chapter. We'll probably find out a little bit more about what Dilaf is doing. Dilaf the mysterious. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a huge amount on there, but yeah, I think we're all in agreement that, um, Dilaf is from one of those secret assassin people, but yeah, that's, that's all I've got really this week. There's so much sort of up in the air at the moment, and I'm sure there's plenty up in the air that we don't even really remember is in the air. (laughs) Right. Hopefully the next lots of chapters will start to put a few more things in place and we'll have a bit of a better idea of where things are going to go. Yeah, yeah. As as we start getting into the part of the book where things get t- tied together, I I can almost guarantee we're gonna come across some things. It's like, oh right, that was a thing that we didn't know. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've only got two episodes left, yeah. That is correct. Two episodes. Okay. So I've got sort of predictions for how I think the book is gonna end. I don't really know how we're gonna get to these points, but basically my thought is Aventio is gonna show up in in Aralon to basically, basically to do his all, all right, got to swear homage to Wraith and in person, everything. And so at some point he's going to bump into Keen and we're going to finally work out what the hell went on between those two guys. And, uh, Aventio is going to die. And basically Serene will just straight up inherit the throne of Teo. And then somehow by the end of the book, like Raiden will be interred as King for, Ar- for Aralon. And, then like they'll renew their marriage and then basically the two kingdoms will become one and they can unite and try and push back it's it's i feel like it's going to end on a we've set we've solved our problems over here maybe Atlantis is back on the path to being successful again and they're just like all right now we're going to fight back against uh against the feudal empire i don't think like i don't think we're going to topple the empire by, by the end of the book I think we will deal with, I think Dilaf is going to be the final threat. So I'm really hoping someone just punts him into the dissolving lake and then we just see him sink like ter- like Terminator 2. Because <laughs> I, I think like, he hates Elantrians so much he can die like one. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah, so I, yeah, I feel like it'll just be uh, united one nation. Uh, just looking back over the over the horizon. It's like, yeah, well, now we can fight back against Fjordal with Elantrian magic. And it's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know how we're going to get to any of this, po- any of these points. Like, um, yeah, like we're, I think we're all pretty sold on. All right, Dilaf is, he, like, he is from Darkor or at least one of the other monasteries, and and like there is going to be a confrontation, confrontation between him and Hraithen. I think Hraithen might, I think he is still going to be like a, a major part. I don't think he's going to convert to their side, to the good side, but I don't know. He might just, they might exile him or something or. Or maybe Galadon will kill him as revenge for what he did to Duladil. Like, that might be cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know where he's tied up. I think I've said before, it's like some of his chapters is just like they're there to fit the triad system rather than to actually contribute to the story. So, 
I don't know. I hope Raytham does a bit more because Jamie was right. Like he's he was so cool at the start, and then it's like he didn't really do as much as we were kind of hoping. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah. So as I said, don't know how we'll get to those points. But that's where I think the book's going to end. It really would be a big ask at this point to topple the Empire before the end of the next two episodes, right? That seems like going a long way. Yeah. Uh. It's like we'll send all the Saiyans just converge on Wern, and then they can just light bomb him to death or something. Of course, at this point in the final empire, if I remember right, we were like, oh, well, there's no way they defeat the Lord Ruler in this book. Probably, like, you know, they'll have to regroup and the final end of the trilogy will be them fi- finally taking on the Lord Ruler. I guess the difference there is, like, we we had – we were really focused on the Lord Ruler as the as the fi- as the the final boss of that book, though. And we're just like, do they get enough time to defeat mm-hmm. him in the end? Whereas yeah. in this one, Wern is not really a presence. Yeah, um, you're right. Like, we're really focused more on Hraithen and Dilaf than we are on Wern. So, at least by this point in Mistborn, the Lord Ruler had shown up. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe maybe Viking Pope will just show up and they'll kill him coincidentally and be like, oh, hey, we win. <laughs> he was just an innocent bystander in the end. <laughs> yeah. Tragedy struck when the Pope, Viking Pope was killed in a freak exploding in accident. <laughs> That's where he was staying. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> and then it turned, and then like the Svordish assassins just like, oh, we just killed Wern. Quick, Svorden can take over the world now. And this nation that we know nothing about. It's like, now we're in charge, bitches. Everyone eats raggish weed soup. <laughs> I uh I don't have any really new predictions. I feel like the ones I've made in the past are probably pretty solid. You know, I feel like especially now that the truth is out there to an extent. Um, Rowden and and um, and Sereni are gonna kind of take the throne and then rule over Elantris and Aralon together. And I don't know. I still am not totally sure if he's going to figure out a way to heal their bodies or, or continue the transformation. My guess on that is going to be no. Um, that they're going to be you know perpetually in that weird state, and the aeons will work, but not well. But it'd be nice if they could get the city back to like its former glory in some way. But I don't know. I don't know exactly how that's accomplished. So that is pretty much my main prediction. I I don't know if Wern's going to come into it. It'd be I think it'd be more interesting if he did. But I I really don't know. As far as Dilloff's concerned, yeah, I hope he may, meets like a horrible end. But I feel like at this point, if if he is gone or has a horrible end, then Hraithen kind of has to go too. Unless Hraithen has a sudden like change of heart somehow and just decides to leave behind the feudal faith like completely so uh yeah that's that's pretty much all i have i i don't have a lot of extra to add although i really like these chapters i don't know that they gave me a lot of a lot more information to to kind of come up with what we're going to see at the end here so yeah no i get that um has anyone that we know in the book met word like did did um yeah yeah yeah, and if and if maybe if Dilloff is who we think he might be, maybe Dilloff has as well. Yeah. At the very least, we know Wraithen's talked to him through a Seon, and you can see kind of the right. person's face when you do that, because their Seon looks like their face, kind of, so. But I'm sure so he's going like, to go out there as a really, really out there prediction. Uh-oh. Wern is actually Eventio. Whoa. And he Whoa. is Crushthroat, and then they will have the final boss battle. Whoa. Oh, my wow. Just to throw something really, really out there out there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Raid and Braith that are about to fist fight each other when they see those two going out. It's like, uh, d- should we step Wait, outside? What? We should we should step outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, you, you don't want to get involved in that. Brothers. <laughs> but didn't we? Uh, I mean, I love that theory. But didn't we find out Orin's like a super young dude? Yeah, yeah, he's young and handsome. He's like young something. and hot or something. Yeah. Mm, maybe maybe it is an illusion potion. <laughs> He's he's figured out how to do the same say on uh, the same aeon as uh as fucking well no because aeons Raid. weren't working so it can't be an aeon oh. yeah he has it's to gotta be the potion way. master guy yeah. that yeah. made the potion for uh for Freethan this potion yeah yeah sexy potion <laughs> the sexy drifter is one oh wow <laughs> no, that'd be quite a revelation I'd be all about it I'd be like <laughs> Fjordal, take take this world. okay we have one email this week so i'm gonna read that it is from rachel and rachel says finally caught up oh no well it's finally happened i've caught up on all the episodes what am i supposed to do with every spare minute of my day now loved listening to you guys i've been reading sanderson for many years now trying to convince every and anyone to pick up his stuff to no avail so this really scratched an itch just a quick question regarding reading order do you have a plan for what you guys are moving on to next? Yes, I have a plan. I have a, a very long plan for everything that he's written and what we're reading it all in. Although I will say that... He hasn't um, shared it with us. No, yeah, they don't even know exactly the order, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they don't even know what all the books are because they don't know much yeah. about uh, Sanderson. But We, we will... get told around the same time as you guys what we're reading. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I will share something with everyone in that... The plan was not to do White Sand next, but we're going to do the White Sand graphic novels sort of in the near future. Uh, recently, they have said that they may be coming out with a uh, – or there's a plan to come out with a, an omnibus of the three novels sometime this year, the three graphic Ooh. novels, and it will include a bunch of additional information. And I wouldn't have waited for just the omnibus even though we, I'm having trouble finding physical copies to purchase, but the fact that it will also have that extra information makes me think that maybe we will push that back some to wait and see if this comes out because that will be easier to find and we'll have additional information that we will get to read. So that may get pushed back a little bit, which just means that we'll probably end up returning to Skadrial sooner than I had otherwise planned. So there's there's uh, new information for everybody about the reading order and some changes she she asks, and will you be reading Warbreaker before Words of Radiance? Yes, is the answer to that. I know this is probably a long way off yet. Also, yes, that's a long way off. I just recently read Shadows for Silence and Sixth of Dusk, so officially read all Cosmere-related texts now. Fair to say, I'm in deep. What are some of your favorite non-Cosmere books of his? I enjoy Legion and Snapshot. It was a really fun story, which I felt was different from his usual stuff. Keep up the good work. You guys are smashing it. All the best from Scotland, Rachel. Well, and since the others can't really answer, uh, I will say that my favorite non-Cosmere book of his is The Rhythmatist. It's directed at kind of a younger audience than a lot of his stuff, but I love it. I think it's hilarious and fun. The the only bad thing about that book is that the ending cries out for a sequel, and it's been many years and no sequel has come. So that's that part's sad. Mm. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, if anyone else would like to send us an email, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You could find us on Twitter or Facebook, or we are up to date on um, YouTube. All of the episodes, except for obviously this one, uh, because we're just now recording it. All the other episodes are up on YouTube now, so that is 100% up to date. Find wow, us in all places. Yeah, right. I had some extra time on my hands and managed to get it all done. 
For next time, we are reading seven more chapters, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, and 60. So that will leave us with only three chapters and an epilogue for the episode after that. So we're recording this one and that next one back to back. So for you guys, read those seven chapters for tomorrow. For everyone else, next week, seven seven new chapters. That will be the bulk of what's left in this book. Damn. Yep. So we are almost. I love this point. (laughs) Yeah, this is when things really start getting nuts. Yeah, technically. I woke up this morning. Te- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. I was gonna say I woke up this morning and I was gonna say oh, I said to Dak, "We finished the book this week." And Dak was like, "No, <laughs> not yet." <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. You don't read ahead. You could finish it this week because then right after we record the podcast tomorrow, you Correct. could just finish yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. I'm so excited. <laughs> it is exciting. I love I love this time. It's it's exciting to get to finally where everything wraps up, but then it's also exciting to move on to something new and interesting that's next. Uh so uh music by Miracle of Sound and wasing to the time of next. Colo? My name's Get up, get out of the city.